All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. I hope everyone has had a blessed week. And some of you guys who have listened to my last sermons might be thinking, I hope we haven't had a blessed week. Because thanks to your sermon, we think people who are blessed mourn and weep and are poor in spirit and persecuted. But of course, I'm just kidding about that. Um, We have been studying the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, well, the word Beatitude uh, just means blessings or happiness. And just to recap, uh, what we have been talking about for the last couple weeks is Jesus is on this mountainside teaching his disciples, uh, commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And he is teaching that happiness and blessings come through tough things. These teachings are transformative. Unlike the world, he teaches us that these best blessings come later through eternal life. But before we get in today's lesson, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that we're able to, that, that you gave us words that lasted forever. Over 2,000 years ago, you made a claim that not many people can make, and that's that my words will never pass away. So I just pray as we hear your words that we will value them, we would have reverence for them, and that they would change what we think about and influence everything we think about in this life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So uh, please find Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and then stand for the reading of God's word. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside. And he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You may be seated. So our next uh, beatitude that we'll be talking about today is going to be found in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The first thing we should look at is, what is a peacemaker? And there's all different kinds of directions our minds can go in trying to define what a peacemaker is. If you look at the world, what do we see? We see people trying to use violence to bring about peace. We say, let's fight terrorism, so then we go out and kill terrorists. If you listen to the news, there's a lot of talk about military deterrence right now. And this deterrence idea is that you have to have the most advanced violent, devastating weapons to deter your enemy from using theirs. The Israelites at the time of Jesus were hoping to use violence 
to bring peace by making their enemies submit to them. The interesting thing is, even if they would have defeated the Romans, the Romans ended up being conquered later on anyway. So even if the Israelites defeated the Romans, they would still have had to fight other nations and would have likely ended up in the same situation. In fact, the Israelites ignored Jesus' instructions to stop using military force. And because of this, it led to many Israelites dying and the temple being completely destroyed. As time goes on, it seems as if the world is less peaceful. Now, not only do we have wars over land, religion, and power, you have mass murders who come in and kill people for sport. You have people walking into public places and murdering children. Peace can look unattainable when you look at the world. So let's turn from the world and look at the Word. I think as we learn from Jesus, we will find peace is attainable and we can find hope. So what does the Bible say about being a peacemaker? Well, the first place we start uh, would be James 3, 18 through James 4, 4. Peacemakers who sow peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, and you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be friend, be a friend of the world, becomes enemy of God. So James tells us that peace has to start with our hearts. He tells us that violence and arguments are rooted in selfish desires. Think about how much more peaceful we would be if we were content. One of the things that come to my mind is our jobs and our careers. A lot of times we see an employee content with their wages or their job until what? They see somebody is paid more than them or being treated better than them. Then what happens? Well, a lot of times either there's conflicts with other employees or the boss, and sometimes that manifests outwardly and sometimes that manifests inwardly. There is a, a way to deal with things without being angry and trying to hurt someone. And when I say hurt someone, I'm not just talking about physically, but also emotionally, because often people think it's okay to hurt people emotionally if they think they deserve it. I just had a situation that came up on Friday. Um, as an HVAC technician, we get an hourly pay and a commission. And one of our other techs sold a job, which had a pretty big commission on it. And the equipment was too complicated for our installers to set up. So my boss contacted me and asked me to read up on this new equipment and then set, up, set it up for the installers. And then a couple of the installers were asking, aren't you mad that this other tech is making the commission while you set up the equipment that he sold? 
And of course, they said that because he had already gotten the commission for that job. And let me be upfront with you. There is that temptation at that moment to accept what they were saying. And I had, the night before, I had meditated and prayed to God. And I felt content the night before I went to this job. But when I was being pressed by those guys, it was almost like a force pressing against my heart, making me upset. There was something that I was studying, though, for this sermon that prepared me for this struggle. But I will get to that later. Now, regarding our desires, James tells us we need to take it to God. He says we do not have because we do not ask or because we do ask with wrong motives. That means we actually need to think about what we're praying. We read the Lord's Prayer every week. And when we do that, we write this prayer in our hearts. That way we know how to pray. Now, I'm not saying that the Lord's Prayer is the only prayer in your life and that's the only prayer you should say. But when we memorize that, it's teaching us how God wants us to pray. That prayer gets us thinking about what's more important. The Lord's Prayer reminds us and empowers us to avoid temptation. And as we speak that prayer to God, God's prayer should speak back to our hearts, reminding us what is important. It teaches us to pray to get our daily bread and not a lifetime supply of bread. We need to be thinking about our motives when we pray and avoid being selfish. That would be a great place to start in prayer. Also, we have to realize that we do not have the strength on our own to fight selfishness. To realize we need to be praying for the power of God to defeat selfishness. And when we defeat selfishness, that is a key ingredient on being a peacemaker, as James said. The Bible teaches us that our minds have to be governed by the Spirit to receive peace. We can't be peacemakers if we don't have peace ourselves. And this is found in Romans 5, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 5 through 8. It says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed or subject by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You know, it's that time of year where you see signs all over the place telling you to vote for an in-particular candidate. There's all these candidates trying to win your vote in all kinds of political ads at this time of year. So many of them show their candidate saluting the military and having an adorable family, maybe even holding a little adorable baby. Then they show the other candidate uh, with an American flag burning in the background or starving children in the background. And then they make their supporting candidate have a glow like they're an angel. Now, when it comes to government officials, the gloves come off. And then there's usually the presidential election. Usually there's only two choices that win. And most people think that that's the most important election. But it's not. 
There's two candidates after your heart. You have the flesh and the spirit. You have an invisible enemy that came to lie, kill, and destroy. And like the politicians, the enemy tries to use camera tricks to get you to elect him as authority in your mind. He makes people think that they're in charge while they become slaves to all kinds of evil and desires that war against peace with God and peace with other people. So it's so important that you choose the Spirit to govern your mind because anytime you have government, there is an authoritative figure. In this verse, those authoritative figures are the flesh and the Spirit. And anytime there's a government in authority, there are laws. If there is no authority or no laws, then everybody just does what they think is right. For example, uh, the Nazis thought they were doing the world a great justice by doing racial cleansing. There were many people who thought that they were right. Hitler caused many churches to teach this in that area. He caused many households to believe this. Their minds weren't being governed by the Spirit of God. Their minds were governed by the same evil spirit as Hitler. Now, if their minds were governed by the Spirit of Jesus, they would have said, blessed are the peacemakers. And many other teachings that agree with this from Jesus. So when you remove the authority from God and the teachings of Jesus and just say they are suggestions, we would have no right to say that Hitler was wrong. Jesus' words aren't just suggestions. They are full of life and spirit. And they should govern our mind so that we may have life. And Jesus talks about this. He spoke about this in John 6, 63. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of life and spirit. And some people hear words like laws and rules and they cringe. But if we realize that his laws and rules are full of spirit and life, then that should change what we think about his rules and his laws. His rules and laws are full of spirit. And if we want to have our minds governed by the spirit, we need to have faith in Jesus by following his laws or his words. And from what Paul says in Romans, if we do allow his laws to govern our minds, we will find peace. If we teach others to allow Jesus' laws and rules to govern their minds, they can find peace also. Now, Peter reminds us that peace doesn't just fall into our lap. We have to pursue it. And we find this in 1 Peter 3, 9 through 11. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessings because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. There that blessing word comes again. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil. In their lips from deceitful speech. 
They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. So back to that story where I'm setting up the HVAC system. And the installers are asking me if I'm upset that that guy is getting to commission and he is not the one following up and doing the work and setting up this equipment. That verse was a game changer. Because if somebody is doing something that's evil, it says, do not repay them with evil. Now, I don't necessarily think that situation was evil. So who am I to cause division in a workplace over money? I'm supposed to be ready to bless someone who is trying to hurt me and say all kinds of evil against me. And because this verse was written in my heart just because I just had studied it and meditated on it, I was able to withstand that pressure that the enemy threw at me. I was able to tell those guys that I was content. The light of the word helped me see that that situation really isn't that bad. I'm still in a pretty good situation here in America. In fact, one of those guys is struggling to choose who he wants to govern his mind. And I have personally had a conversation with him before, and one of our other installers has had a conversation with him about his faith. And as being the church, we are an example of what peacemakers look like. Right? The, the church is Christ's body at work. He chose to bring us peace. He chose us to pursue peace. We are the ones to take the initiative to talk people out of anger and violence. God has called us to continually walk in His Spirit and be governed by His life-giving words. He doesn't promise us that the world will be this wonderful, peaceful place with, I don't know, unicorns and balloons. Some people are like, that's the opposite of peace. Probably I would be one of those. But he does promise we can find peace in this crazy world. And when we have peace with God, we don't have to keep that to ourselves. We become peacemakers. So Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And I don't have the verse on me, but I know it's in Hebrew somewhere, maybe 12 or something. And it talks about how Jesus is the pioneer of faith. He's the one who went before us as an example, being obedient all the way to death. And we look at Jesus' life, and we want to follow that example. Because that is what this Christian faith is about. And this beatitude says, if we are peacemakers, we will be called children of God. Well, what does that mean to be a child of God? What does Jesus mean in this specific beatitude? Well, this should tell us something about being a peacemaker. So I'm going to give you a few examples. There's much more. I, could have, I didn't want to exhaust you guys with a ton of verses, um, but I've got a couple of verses here to tell us what it means to be a child of God in this situation. Um, Ephesians 5.1 says, Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. Now, during biblical times in that culture, if you called someone your father, that meant you were trying to imitate them. There wasn't this idea that you just follow your own dreams and do what you want. There was this expectation that you were going to continue on like your father did. And when you said that someone else was your father, 
that you acted like them. For example, in the Simpson household, or the Simpson boys, we are known for all having attention deficit disorder. So that's how we were identified. We all expected every single boy. I think there's like one boy out of I don't know how many grandkids and everything uh, my mom has uh, that doesn't have ADD. And by majority, I'd say like 90% of us do. But I know that verse is short. So let's look at another verse that makes it a little bit clearer. This is Jesus trying to teach the Pharisees and they are not wanting to accept his teaching. So we'll cut in... uh, John 8, 39 through 44. And this is uh, Pharisees starting out. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were, this is Jesus talking back. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, I guess he would have told me that there, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would have loved me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God has sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus gives us a few examples here. Jesus says, if we have a lifestyle of murder and lies, that our father is the devil. So in other words, if we are living in continual sin, our father is the devil like the Pharisees. But, if the fa- but we also have the other example. If we follow the example of truth and love and anything else that Jesus teaches, God is our father because, as he says in there, his teachings come from God. So our example is God who sent his son to bring peace to the earth. God did not even hold back his son, his one and only begotten son. He gave him to the world to teach them the way, the truth, and the life, and to die for our sins. Humanity was evil as a whole, and God used his son as a peace offering. Jesus paid a heavy price for peace. He died so evil men and women could be free from their father, the devil, and to have peace with God. He didn't wait till everyone had their acts together. He went into the midst of these evil false teachers and showed us how to be peacemakers. On that mount, Jesus instructed us to love our enemies so we can try to bring peace to them. If we want to be called children of God, we have to follow Jesus' example as dearly loved children. He is the most perfect example. He looks exactly like his father. In the gospel, he told people, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. They look just like each other. 
So let's take encouragement in hope from this blessing. Let's believe the instructions of Jesus that he can give us the strength to put our desires to the side so we can be peacemakers. We can instruct people not to fight, that we ourselves will pursue peace with God in our hearts and peace with everyone around us to the best of our abilities. That way, when the world sees us, they can see Jesus because he is just like his Father. And that's what the world needs. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for sending your Son as a peacemaker. I just pray that you would renew that thought in our minds, that you would renew um, the, the urgency of peace, that you would renew our, our minds and help us meditate on that and that it would bring forth fruit, that we, we would look just like God and look like Jesus, that people would see us and be like, wow, I cannot believe they're so peaceful. I cannot believe they act like that because you have given us strength. So I just pray for myself and everyone in this room that you will empower us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.